Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. I wouldn't say we fell in love right away. I think we were, as they call it in the biz, trauma bonding. And then after eight years of being insufferably sober, I started drinking again. Addicts tend to be rather sensitive people. Aren't you Mark Maron? I'm like, yeah. And she goes, what happened to you? Well, hi there. Welcome to Light Hustler, a podcast all about sharing your dark to find your light. Super cool announcement. Do you want 20 books about overcoming obstacles? Brand new books for free. Yes, you do? Great, because I am running a contest where I am giving one person 20 free free books. Sounded like I was saying 23 books. No, my 20 favorite books about overcoming obstacles. Obviously, I talk a lot about overcoming obstacles and next to sharing my struggles with other people, the thing that has helped me the most is reading about other people doing the same. So I have made a list of my 20 favorite books about this and they include books like Blackout, The Glass Castle, Man's Search for Meaning, The Language of Letting Go, a whole bunch. It's a variety. It's memoirs. It's self-help. It's spiritual. And I want to give them to you. So if you want to be in the running to win my 20 favorite books about uh, overcoming obstacles, just go to lighthustler.com slash giveaway. That's right. Lighthustler.com slash giveaway. You will be entered into the running to win them. I'm so excited. Now, today's guest well, this is a episode from my storytelling show. You know her. You love her. Her name is Laura House. She is arguably the funniest person on earth. And she is a TV writer. She's written on Samantha Who and Mom. She starred on one of MTV's first reality shows, Austin Stories. And uh, she has a new comedy album out called Mouth Punch. This is Laura House talking about her panic marriage. Because I am bringing up, like, really the funniest person I've ever known in my life. Um, she's in so many things that I said, like, what should I say in your bio tonight? And um, what I'm going to tell you is she just got back from London where she was working on a comedy show. And she has an album called Mouth Punch. I am allowed to give... Yes! Yes! I'm not even going to tell you her name yet. You can still applaud. <laughs> Don't give away the secret. I can give you this, but she's got some for sale, but you and you're going to want to buy them all. This is Laura House. Holy shit, these people with their cocaine. Um, I was I'm like a hillbilly from Texas. Cocaine still Yeah. Cocaine still seems like ooh. That's like up there with like real coke or like 
Coca-Cola. We never got to have regular snacks. Anyway, my, I really kind of blew it, because why would I say Coke? To, none of it was planned. Um, I, <laughs> how did you not watch Pretty Woman with the hooker? Two on the nose. I know, my, but at the end of Brian's story, he was like, so then we just sat back and watched Pretty Woman. Me, me and my hooker. <laughs> right, buddy? Right. Um, I'm just going to act out the end of everybody's. Uh, I like that, again, in rehab, Vivian was like, you, come here. Like, that's just her fucking move. You, come here. What are you, school principal, Vivian? Calm down. You, in the hall. Where, where's your pass? <laughs> Jesus Christ. I don't know you. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, I shouldn't have taken this out at all. All right, I, um, my name is Laura, and um, I love the whole idea of what Anna does of like, you know, dark to light, because it's such a nice way of framing uh, my shitty past, right? It's just such a nice, like, no, no, it's, dark, it's light now. <laughs> no, it's light, like, worth it. <laughs> just, um, Here's, here's my story. Uh, when I was almost 30, I had been drinking for over a decade and surprisingly was not very good at life. Uh, I'd been dating a nice enough guy, parentheses victim, and, um, and I panic married. So this is the story of my panic marriage. Um, also, I'm reading a story, as you can tell. What the fuck, people, with your memorized? Anyway, I'll try to look up occasionally. <laughs> That's what you get. Um, so there's something about being 29 that makes you think that the worst thing in life is gonna happen in a few months. Like, I right? I felt like, Ali, you know, you're in it now. Oh, good. It just is like, just a door slide. 30 is like, oh, it's over. Like, like now I'm on the other side of the wall with the White Walkers. Like, what? what is 30? <laughs> Or I just thought, like, like, whatever my life is the day I turn 30, like, that's it. Like, you're stamped. Like, you better fucking make it by the time you're, okay, like, uh, grab a partner. And anyway, you get it. It's, it's like you're a legitimate adult. There's no, like, well, I'm 30, but I'm a baby. Like, you can't say it out loud. Um, <laughs> so it was, I just, I was supposed to have it figured out in my 30s. Like, 20s are for drinking and goofing off check and then like you grow out of it and into a functioning adult that's what my other friends did <laughs> like they had jobs they'd been at for years by the time they were 30 or relationships they'd been in for years and they had families or they were starting they had roots and uh it wasn't that i didn't have any accomplishments by 30 like i had starred on an mtv show thank you you can look it up later um what or now i don't care um <laughs> I'd been on HBO and Comedy Central. I'd made out with a lot of guys. <laughs> and I could drink a ton. And I was equally proud of all of these things. Um, and I'd moved to Hollywood with some television success. And I had a plan to make it. <laughs> and then when I got to Hollywood, I looked around. And I was like, well, what are you fucking supposed to do to make it? This, nobody, nobody really explained it. Um, so... I wasn't good at finding work, but I was great at drinking. Uh, my favorite thing to do was uh, uh, try to make booze profit on a party. Right? We've all, when you're like, hey, we got 50 bucks, <laughs> let's invest this, some Trader Joe's snacks, and enough cheap 
booze to like people will bring alcohol. So like you put 50 in, you get $125 in booze back. Win. Like Miss Manners, but you're just fleecing people for alcohol. Um, and like all the best alcoholics, I mysteriously got by. Like I lived in a two bedroom in Silver Lake, a house, a two bedroom house with a roommate in Silver Lake. And we had a yard with a lemon tree and a barbecue. I think I made like $800 a year. Like I don't, <laughs> like I don't live in a house now. Like how the fuck, like you just fucking float through. I don't know how I do it. Um, <laughs> Fuck, irresponsibility is so great sometimes. Uh, so I started looking for jobs, and that's how I met him, the man to be my future husband slash slightly more future ex-husband. Um, so we met at work. Uh, specifically, I had applied a job at an internet company, and uh, that was all the rage. And uh, I didn't, I didn't get the job that I applied for because I, <laughs> they said, yeah, you know, uh, this all sounds good, just. Um, uh, I'll give you a minute and then just, you know, what, what salary, you know, do you want? I'll, I'll give you some time. And they left and I made a couple calls. What do I ask for? I literally asked for 10 times what they ended up giving someone. Anyway, um, <laughs> fucking grandiosity, right? That's on the, in the column. Um, so, um, uh, so I met this guy and his, and the guy who I, he actually got the job I had applied for was this guy. We'll call him goatee. Um, so he was cute and quiet and medium build and sort of black Irish looks and uh, he didn't pay much attention to me so I thought he had a girlfriend um, because I also I have so I would go in every Friday and like what this was a voice recording <laughs> this was a company called uh, Telsurf they were making it if you can fucking imagine this is gonna blow your mind where like you could uh, listen to the internet the way you could listen to like your your voicemail tell surf like you could surf the internet but like on your phone <laughs> but like with your ear there were companies for everything back then so uh that was this company so they were looking for someone at first to like uh like generate what we now call content it was years before we called it content but they uh they were looking for that and then they ended up hiring kind of energy so they hired this dude and then um they hired me to come in they were like you have a nice voice why don't you come in and record stuff so i went in like every friday and i recorded like movie reviews because at this time, which was like the 1680s, people wanted to like, like, ah, oh, what's that movie like? Uh, I'll call the internet on my phone and I'll just listen for, you know, 10 or 20 minutes till I get to the part about the review of the movie that I, from that one review. This girl reads it, she's got a good voice. Um, so he never, I went in every Friday and recorded for some hours and he never uh, paid much attention to me, like I said. And around this time I wore contacts. And uh, I also, sometimes I smoked when I drank. Um, and I drank all the time. Uh, and, and here's what smoke does to contact lenses. It works its way up inside the lens, uh, up next to your eyeball. And if you don't clean your contacts regularly, say you pass out in them all the time, uh, it can lead to an eye infection. Now, I was totally safe because I had the kind of contacts that you like wore for a week and just throw away until I got a horrible eye infection. Um, 
I actually looked like a monster. Like I actually looked like, like as if this was, but like, I, honestly, I, I walked out, there was an optometrist at the end of my block. I tell you exactly where I lived in Silver Lake. <laughs> Hyperion by Griffith Park. There's an optometrist. Anyway, so I walked in, I was like, I think something's wrong with my eye. They were like, <gasps> like they, they, they were shut like, Mm, oh, the doctor isn't here right now. Like, and uh, they sent me. They were like, "You need an ophthalmologist." And I, I went. I was like, "Okay, okay." Like, uh, it kind of hurts. Like, it's like I'm sure it's. Uh, and uh, and I go to an ophthalmologist, and he was like, "Oh, let me take." Oh! And like, like it was like a horror show. So he gave me. Uh, I had drops that I had to put in every 15 minutes, even at night. I had to like, like, oh, I guess I can sleep for like eight minutes. And then oh, and to like, I had to take antibiotics, like, it's a fucked up eye. And, um, and I had to wear an eye patch. Alcohol, though, right? It's so great. Worth it. Uh, I was like a horrible monster. And uh, I, had, I, had, what I, I had ulcers on my cornea. I had ulcers on my eyeball just because oh, I'm too tired to take my contacts out. So uh, I had to wear, <laughs> all right, now, so I went, so I missed a week of the voice job. I had to call goatee and tell him I'm not going in. And then I, then the next week I went in, I was wearing glasses. Suddenly he's real interested. Dude loved glasses. <laughs> just real God shot, huh? Hey. Uh, this is God talking. I'm going to give you a horrible eye disease, but just wait and see what happens. It's, it's going to work. You're going to look like a monster, but uh, just, it's going to open a window. Um, <laughs> so he asked if I could come in later next week, and he mumbled it. He was like, oh, hey, do you want to come? Maybe if you come in and record later next week, we could uh, hang out or something. And I was like, what? And he goes, you know, can you come in later next week? And I was like, I don't want to come in. Like, I've did, it's like Friday traffic on the 101. He goes, oh, I just thought we could hang out. And then I was like, <laughs> legitimately, I was like, is this guy asking me out? Yes. <laughs> I'm suddenly in a movie. Oh, am I the pretty girl? I will go out with you, sir. <laughs> you didn't see me a week ago. You'll never know. So uh, I was flattered, and I did not think I could do better. Anyway, um, he, uh, we like went out a few times. It was nice. We connected very easily, and uh, like I just said, ahead of where I should have. I didn't think I could do better. I, I had the unenviable low self-esteem of a raging alcoholic, too. So I was just like, you're my... This'll do. Um, so he mumbles because I mean so much to him. There's nothing wrong with him. Um, so what I wanted and needed from him or anyone was stability, which is what I interpreted his shyness to be. Like I had had crazy years like performing stand-up and dating comics and making out with as many people as possible, which is a lot, humble brag. And... Um, <laughs> So it was like time to like, you know, be with someone like I like who could set me right. 
And it's called using a person. It's called manipulation. Anyway, there's other words for it, but you can also call it love. Um, so three months into our relationship, uh, I had this other job So I, where I wrote freelance for, this, uh, for, for a web series in, in San Francisco. So three months into like this, oh, this is going great with Goatee, the San Francisco job offers me a full-time position in San Francisco. I'd have to move. So immediately, fuck it. I dropped Goatee and I moved to San Francisco because I'm loyal like that. Bye. Um, it was like the dot-com boom, and it was all this money, and I had this great writing job, and I was directing, and I lived by the beach, and inexplicably never ridden one in my life, bought a motorcycle. This is who I am now. <laughs> I'm a motorcycle person who lives by the beach. Oh, I literally never learned to ride it. It just sat, I moved it from, for, because of street cleaning, I moved it from side to side of the street for a year. Anyway. I was happy, and I knew goatee wasn't really for me. Like, we didn't have anything in common, and what I really wanted was to spread my wings and my own life and be on my own, and uh, I was flying high on my self-esteem self extreme upswing. And uh, one day my mom called me at work, which was unusual, and so I was afraid something was wrong with Dad, and she told me she had cancer. Yeah, what she said was, well, I have cancer. <laughs> That's, I mean, you can beat around the bush a little. You know what I mean? Like, she was like, <laughs> she was like, hi, how are you? Mom, what's going on? Well, I have cancer. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, I finally had money where I could, like, fly to go home. Like, well, like was she going to be in the hospital, et cetera? So I, I asked her, I was like, well, what's going on? Are you, are, is there going to be surgery? Or what are you doing? She goes, she goes well, we're going to go to the hospital. Okay, okay, when? And I'm just thinking, like, I could, I could fly in Saturday. I'd be there for at least a couple of days. And she goes, well, we're going to have a bowl of soup. Then your dad's going to drive me to the hospital. I was like, you're calling me on the way to the hospital to treat your cancer. And she goes, I said we're going to have some soup. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit. It was the weirdest conversation. But uh, suddenly I looked at my life and was like, it was just completely meaningless. It was like I hadn't done any, I hadn't taken any roots. I had just like tried to be an actor and a comedian and I had a good job there but it wasn't going to last forever and like like I'd just been drinking for 10 years I had nothing to show to it show for it so I married goatee because cancer can make you panic Mary and uh my mom was really <laughs> really happy she loved him like and she was just happy like oh someone likes you i'm not really sure how she phrased it but she was just happy like oh like he represented stability to her too so she didn't want me to travel and perform and come home to an empty house she wanted like a normal stable life for me and that's what he felt like someone normal and stable the opposite of me and it turns out, when someone is quiet and likes to stay home, it could mean they're normal and stable, but maybe, maybe it means they're comfortable with themselves and they have no need for outside validation. It can also mean they're afraid of life and have no friends. <laughs> oh, it can mean that. <laughs> Not us, but you've met them. Um, but when you're determined to get married because your mom is suddenly dying of cancer, red flags look like fun little spinning hearts around, <laughs> around your person. 
And uh, for example, like we, so we set the date, and I'm sorry to upset you, I'm very old, but we set the date to get married, October 2001. I don't know if you know anything about history, but uh, so I was still in San Francisco when the towers went down, and uh, I, I called him, I, and I was like, oh my God, because he was still here, and I was like, are you watching the news? Like, this is terrible. I'm like glued to the set, and he goes, well, I guess I don't see what it has to do with me. I, w <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry, what now? And he goes, no, I just mean it's sad and all, but I, how am I supposed to feel? It, it doesn't really affect me. And I got off the phone quickly, like, not entirely realizing I was about to marry a dude that didn't think 9-11 was a big deal. <laughs> but I did. Um, I did marry him because in movies, it's really fun to watch people dramatically call off their weddings at the last minute and the bride's bride undergoes like last looks as her best friend like shakes her by the shoulders and is like, it's not too late to back out. But in real life, once those invitations go out, there's no, that's it. There, you can't, nobody's clap. Like it's not, that's all staged in film. You can't. Uh, and uh, I have this amazing capacity to swallow doubt. Like maybe I'm wrong. Was 9-11 that big a deal? <laughs> Why am I so judgmental? Um, so a few months into our wedded bliss, um, he wouldn't, he says couldn't, I say wouldn't get a job. And uh, he suggested we live with his mother and I screamed out loud for a full minute, uh, like in a horror movie. Uh, and I, I wasn't the only one with complaints. This dude had the audacity to tell me that maybe I drink too much. What? How dare you? The real problem was he didn't know how to drink. Who's with me? You don't even know him and you're with me. Fuck that guy. He didn't. And uh, uh, like we'd hang out with his friends and their girlfriends. And by his friends, I mean his two friends. And one was his brother. Anyway. Um, and they'd say something that sounded normal to me. Like, oh, we'll watch movies. We'll get, you know, let's get drunk and watch movies. And I was like, yes, finally. Something I can do to connect with you people. And then they'd get like a six pack. And I was like, there's six of us. <laughs> like, what? So I I get like another one like, hey, just in case. And then like, like he's like losing interest, like at like half of his drink. And I'm like, like well into my third, like, uh. maybe I'm dehydrated or I'm not sure what the problem was and uh uh yeah it, it wasn't it wasn't good i just stopped drinking with them <laughs> i was like they're they're a real bring down uh anyway it didn't work it, for a number of reasons uh and he was shut down i tried to get it annulled and uh and i even i told him i wasn't happy and he said because it was just like it was just like sitting, it was just sitting in the apartment. I was like, I'm not happy with this. And I finally learned how to say it. And then he goes, well, I'm happy. And if you're not happy, then you need to go do something about it. P.S. This is something happy people say never. Like, they're, well, I'm, I'm happy. Um, if you're not happy, I don't even know what to tell you. I'm fucking thrilled every goddamn minute of my fucking life. Why don't you go find your joy like I did? Okay, so I did. And that got me into my first 12-step program. Not, not the big one, because I obviously wasn't an alcoholic. I'm Texan. We just fucking do things big. So um, 
but uh, uh, I did, and then I got like my career shit in order, and I got a job, and I got like things moved along, but we still weren't working, and uh, ended up going to marital counseling, and that's the thing married couples do right before they get a divorce. Um, <laughs> it never keeps people together, but you feel like you tried, and that's really the whole point. I mean, they might as well just call it that—the the try doctor, like. If I, I gotta, it, it makes me want to be a marital therapist just to be like, mm-hmm, sure. You wouldn't have to hear a goddamn thing anyone ever said. Just, uh-huh, uh-huh, what are you going to see me six times and then just fucking do this? <laughs> just collecting money. What do we want to do this, three, four months? What, yeah, whatever you want. I don't care. I'm just, <laughs> I'm the person you talk to sometimes before you get divorced. Whatever, it doesn't matter. My friend's a lawyer. We work together. No big deal. You go right... Go right next door. I'll validate your parking. I don't care. I'd be the best marriage therapist. Just like, yeah, it does not sound like it's going to work. But if you want to come back five or eight times, that's cool. Um, so we saw a marriage counselor, and, uh, and it was like this. So the therapist looked, so we're sitting side by side, and she looked at me. She goes, she goes, Laura, like, how's this going for you? And I was like, I don't feel listened to. I feel like I... I feel upset and I do all this work to try to try to explain it in in a nice way and communicate it and then he's like okay I get it great that's good and then I give it time to change and nothing happens and I just feel like I'm fucking crazy like am I invisible like like what's going like nothing I'm saying is registering with this guy and she goes oh okay uh and then she she turned to him and she goes well how how's this going for you and he goes no I feel good about where we are we're, <laughs> Laura just got a great job. We're going to buy a house. You know, like, you know, I'm, I'm excited where we're headed, you know. And I screamed again. I screamed <laughs> just like, ah, like just a primal, like, like Jamie Lee Curtis would like pull the car over and be like, what the fuck is going on with you? Like just a, Rah! like I, I like, <laughs> it was, <laughs> it was terrible. It was so much louder than the, uh, he wanted to live with his mom scream. So, uh, and then the therapist looked back at him and goes, uh, did you hear what Laura, Laura said? And he, he goes, uh, she just does that sometimes. So that was it. That was it. That was my breaking point. That was, that was the, the one that did it for me when I realized, oh, he, he never, he never listened. Like when I, I did all this work to communicate and get happy and do my part of the stuff. And then I was just being tuned out. I was just like, he just agreed and dismissed and just had no interest in it. And so I left. And, um, for months after we separated and part of the issue was like, I just felt like I was doing everything. I wasn't getting anything in, in return there, like there was no us going on. It was just this like sort of drag. And like for months after we separated, we still saw each other sometimes um, because we thought it was weird to like get a divorce and then just never see each other again, even though that that's what it is. Um, so, but one day he, he started dating and he was like, Oh, you can look at my dating profile. Like we were being very mo modern and I didn't look at it until I did. And um, uh, he used our wedding pictures. Is that, <laughs> um, Okay, so that is weird. All right. Um, and, 
and I'm almost done here. But uh, so one, <laughs> I don't know if you've used online dating, but there was this one of him like he's in a tuxedo standing in front of a stained glass window. I mean, you wouldn't know by looking at the picture that was the church I grew up in and we were about to get married. But that that was um, so if you see that on a person be like, oh, like it doesn't work the same for guys, I guess, that are, uh, you know, or, or same set like that. I mean, if you're in a wedding dress and you're like, I'm ready to date, like that would be, but I guess, guys, we don't know where you were. You're just all dressed up. Um, <laughs> so, and our official engagement photo, and I'm cropped out of it, you see a little bit of my shoulder and my, and like my fingers like, like haunting it. Like, ah, I'm still fucking there, kinda. And, uh, <laughs> and there's, um, and there's one, there's a picture of him that I know for a fact that was taken in Hawaii because I took it on our honeymoon. Anyway, I, third scream, but I, I looked at the, I looked at the screen and I, I was like, God, I'm still doing everything for this guy. And, um, I just thought like, what is he doing for me? And then it hit me. Oh, this, he's teaching me to let go. Like this is, this is done. <laughs> like this, this is moving past this. And I don't, I don't drink anymore. I eventually did go to, and he was the only person in my whole life who ever said, I think you might be an alcoholic. So God bless him for that. Uh, and I don't drink anymore. And also what's even more important, I don't marry people I don't like. <laughs> Coincidence. Yeah. Thanks, you guys. <laughs>